0: Some movies you watch the first time and you are an instant fan, while others are more subtle. They are films that you perhaps don't like on first viewing. But then, slowly but surely, they wear you down until suddenly you wake up one day and you're a fan of Teen Witch. When Teen Witch came out, it was not even on my radar. The first time I would see it would be at a friend's house. Actually, it was a girlfriend of a friend. Someone I hadn't known my entire life, but who was thrown into my life by association and who I developed a friendship with. She had a very interesting house, really centered around a family room that had a great television with one of the earlier Laserdisc players that I had ever gotten to play with, and a mini-fridge that was always stocked. So as everyone started to realize how great it was to be at this house, we all started hanging out there. It was on one of these visits there with a large group of people that there was a movie on the TV that I had never seen before. I sat down on the couch and watched a few minutes of it and asked what movie is this. I quickly learned it was Teen Witch. I also learned that it was very popular in this household. Every time I would go over there Teen Witch was on. And while people would sit around talking this would be on in the background. I couldn't stop looking at it. I couldn't stop listening to it. And the thing about Teen Witch is that It has these moments in it that you can't help but look forward to. And these become anchors. Things that I look forward to seeing because they make me laugh. Then, before I know it, I find myself invested in it. I start enjoying the characters, the acting, the strange art direction. Suddenly, before I knew it, I was a fan of Teen Witch. Now this phenomenon happens with lots of movies and TV shows. I'm sure that if you're a parent out there, You're thinking of a cartoon that suddenly you're becoming a fan of. It's a strange phenomenon, and it interests me a great deal because it's how I become a fan of things that surprise me. And as things have become more on-demand, as more screens are available, things are no longer forced on me. And so I'm not as surprised anymore, and that makes me a little sad. On today's show, I'd like to talk to you about Teen Witch, a late 80s comedy That eroded my defenses and somehow claimed me as a fan. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about its production, its reception, its cult popularity, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. Witch, is about a young woman who suddenly discovers that she has magical powers. She uses those powers for wish fulfillment, eventually becoming the most popular kid in school. The film was written by Robin Mankin and Vernon Zimmerman. Robin Mankin started as an actor in a couple of movies you might have heard of, but mostly in small parts. She was in Spinal Tap and High Anxiety, two movies that I love, and then would become a writer besides her small acting roles Teen Witch would probably be what she is best known for. Vernon Zimmerman has a host of credits. For people who don't follow TV movies, he's probably also best known for his writing of Teen Witch. The film was directed by Dorian Walker. Dorian Walker is a writer and director. As a director, Teen Witch and the 1984 movie Making the Grade are probably the films that stand out the most in their filmography. The idea for Teen Witch started in another teen film. It was basically intended to be a female version of the 1985 film Teen Wolf. And if you were to compare the posters of the two, you would notice that the design, the font that they use, is very similar. And even the plot line matches up with Teen Wolf. But instead of a wolf, you have a witch. Which makes you wonder if they should have done other teen horror films. Teen Mummy, Teen Dracula, Teen Frankenstein. I think I would watch Teen Frankenstein. The movie was filmed in the L.A. area. A fun bit of trivia about filming locations. Madame Serena's house, which figures in prominently at the beginning of the film, which is at 1345 Carroll Avenue in Los Angeles, was also the house used in Michael Jackson's 1982 music video Thriller. Production was fairly smooth, although I've read some interviews with people in the cast And many of them at the time looked at the film as a paycheck. And I get this sense that they weren't happy with the direction of the film. Rewatching it, I have to say maybe some of that shows up on the screen. So what is Teen Witch about? Louise Miller is a 15-year-old girl in high school. She has a bike accident in front of a house owned by Madame Serena. She goes to try to use Serena's phone. Serena offers to read Louise's palm and learns that she is a reincarnated witch and an old friend of Madame Serena. Madame Serena also says that on Louise's 16th birthday, which is one week from then, her magical powers will return. On her 16th birthday, Louise discovers that she can do magic and attempts to make everything she wants happen, casting a love spell on a guy she likes, getting back at people who are mean to her, and eventually becoming the most popular kid in school. As you might guess, her popularity kind of gets out of hand, and this makes her turn on her real friends. And the film does have a happy ending, much like in Team Wolf. She realizes she doesn't need her magic to become popular, and she gives it up and still has everything she ever wanted. Now a little bit about the cast. This film has a fairly large cast, so I'll try to move through it quickly. Robin Lively plays Louise Miller. Louise's witch name in the past life was Modesty Miller. Robin Elaine Lively Johnson is an actor, probably best known for Teen Witch, but has been on dozens of TV shows. Many who lived through the 80s might remember her from her appearance on Doogie Howser. Amanda Ingber played Polly Goldenberg Cohen, Louise's best friend. Amanda goes by Mandy, is a former actor, gone on to become a yoga instructor, quite a popular one with lots of celebrities who go to her. Got her start on the stage in Neil Simon's Brighton Beach Memoirs, and had many TV roles, including a run on the TV show Cheers and Charles in Charge. Ingber has had some great quotes about Teen Witch. She refers to the movie as a bad summer job, basically not liking it. She also dreaded what would become probably the most famous scene in the film, a rap scene that is called Top That. I think for a long time, its popularity, especially on the internet, haunted her. But... She does appear to have accepted its amazingness, which I'm going to play a little bit for you right now. Supersonic idiotic, disconnected, not Who would ever really want to go and top? That? Nobody can top that. Zelda Rubinstein played Madame Serena Alcott. Rubinstein passed away in 2010. You might know her, if you're a Poltergeist fan, as the medium, Tangina Barons. She was also on the TV show Picket Fences for two seasons, and the voice of the Taste the Rainbow ad campaign for Skittles, in addition to being a talented actor. She was also a very early and outspoken activist for the fight against HIV and AIDS, which is pretty amazing, because early on that could really endanger your career, but nobody tells Zelda Rubenstein what to do. Dan Gauthier played Brad Powell, the big man on campus, the object of Louise's affection. Dan was 26 when he did this film, playing a high school senior. He would actually marry another character in the film in real life, Lisa Fuller, who played Randa. They married the very next year. While people know him from Teen Witch, many others know him from his work as Kevin Buchanan on the soap opera One Life to Live. Joshua Miller played Richie Miller, the little brother. He's become a writer, director, won an Young Artist Award back in 1986 for an appearance on the TV series Highway to Heaven. His first feature film was Halloween 3. If you watch a lot of 80s TV, you'll see Joshua appear from time to time. He was on shows like The Greatest American Hero, 21 Jump Street, and Family Ties. Dick Sargent played Frank Miller, who is the father of Louise. Dick was born Richard Stanford Cox in 1930, passed away in 1994. Probably best known as the second Darren on the TV sitcom Bewitched, which also was about witches and probably plays into why he was cast in this film. Even though he was a little old to be Louise's dad, I guess it was because he had experience playing the father of a witch. I'm referring to his daughter, Tabitha, on the original TV show Bewitched. He's wearing a lot of eyeliner in this movie. Karen Kay played Margaret Miller, Louise's mother, another great actor with a large body of work, appearing in shows like 21 Jump Street, Fantasy Island, Mr. Belvedere, Murder, She Wrote, Taxi. I'll remember her for the one season wonder, It's Your Move, which ran on NBC from 1984 to 1985. She played Jason Bateman's mother on that show. Lisa Fuller played Randa. She married Dan Gauthier after this film ended. She's in two great late 80s films. In addition to Teen Witch, she's also in The Monster Squad. Marsha Wallace played Miss Malloy, who's the nice teacher. I wanted to mention her. She's the voice of Edna Krabappel, Bart's teacher on The Simpsons. Passed away in 2013. Had a five-decade career. Frequent guest on The Merv Griffin Show, which would lead to her being cast on the original Bob Newhart Show. Marsha Wallace is in an amazing episode of Magnum P.I., If you're a fan of Magnum PI, it's an episode called Beauty Knows No Pain from 1981, a really fun episode that involves Magnum having to enter the Iron Man race in Hawaii, and Marsha Wallace plays the trainer. Rounding out the cast, you have Shelly Berman playing Mr. Weaver, who is the mean teacher, Noah Blake as Rhett, and Megan Gallivan as Kiki. After these messages, we'll be right back. They invented a game that teaches young ladies to act properly. Well, I'll say so. (laughs) This game, Girl Talk, stresses manners. Make a funny face and hold it for 30 seconds. We dare you! Girl Talk, the new game of truth or dare that lets girls be girls. And it emphasizes poise and posture. Well, good. Girl Talk, it's just for girls. And now, back to the show. Music is a big part of Teen Witch. Interestingly, they went with rap instead of rock as the 80s came to a close. A lot of movies before that tended to use rock and roll music to represent teens. Teen Witch actually used rap quite effectively, although also very comically. The budget for the film was not great, and the direction could be spotty. One of the ways that this is very apparent is in the musical numbers where the film's audio and video are completely out of sync. If you just watch the Top That rap, which you can search on YouTube, you'll see it just doesn't sync up. Music for the film is credited to two people. Richard Elliott, who's a Scottish-born saxophonist and Grammy Award winner. And Larry Weir. Weir had an interesting career. Larry Weir... He's a songwriter, producer, and promoter. Probably best known for his work on Teen Witch because of its cult following. But the Weir family and the Weir brothers have had a much larger career making music for decades before this. Larry and his brother Tom ran Weir Brothers Studios where the music for Teen Witch was recorded. One of the more interesting things I learned about the Weir brothers is that they collaborated with Alf Clausen, Michael Damien, Rich Eames, and Scott Gale to produce one theme song for the television series Saved by the Bell. I had no idea that seven people are credited with the theme song for Saved by the Bell. That seems insane. If you go to YouTube, you can find the tune. Witch soundtrack. You can also find it for sale. Now, the weird thing is, is there was never a soundtrack recorded. The film did not have the budget for it. So at the time of the film's release, there was no soundtrack. After the film became popular, the original composers, the Weir brothers, recorded a new version with new artists, though. They did this in anticipation of a stage musical adaptation. They did this way back in 2007, but unfortunately, nothing ever happened. That doesn't mean it's never been performed on a stage. The Groundlings, which is an L.A. improv group with quite a storied reputation, produced a live version of the show. Teen Witch the Musical back in 2013. Now why would Larry Weir come back and do a Teen Witch soundtrack after the fact? It was actually because he saw people's reaction and the growing cult following of this film. In a 2007 interview, Weir said, what's crazy is that we have been to screenings all over the country, in Seattle, San Francisco, and even Manhattan, and for every screening there have been lines around the block and packed theaters, which leads me to believe that there are some pretty messed up people out there. In San Francisco, it was almost like being at a concert. They cranked the audio up, and it was wild. This film has a cult following, and like many movies that have a cult following, it did not have an auspicious beginning. Teen Witch was released on April 28, 1989. Its opening weekend, it made 3,000. $875. In the U.S. alone, it would go on to make $27,843. That's on a production budget of $2.5 million. It was a massive flop. And if you read some of the reviews at the time, it's no wonder. Even the most positive reviews are really just neutral reviews. Barbara Van Kerry said of the film, The trans-world entertainment film directed by Dorian Walker Looks like it was shot on a small budget, with a chunk of the money going for original music, including the no-brain tune, I Like Boys. That's at its best. Christopher Hicks was much more scathing in his review titled, A Broomstick Style Pretty in Pink. Hicks said, The rest of the film is predictable and dumb, and, unfortunately, what the film lacks is any real sense of humor, timing, or character development, making for a muddled mess with rock music videos and a slight story spliced around them. I don't know if we can blame everything on these reviews. They are pretty bad. But we could also look at what it was competing against at the time. There was a lot of quality films that had come out, including ones that would compete directly with it. Teen romantic comedies, movies like Say Anything, were out at the time. The top five films that weekend were Rain Man, The Dream Team, Say Anything, Major League and the number one film that weekend was Pet Cemetery, which made $12 million. You take those films that are still making a lot of money, and then you look at other films like Heathers and Twins, and you put Teen Witch on too few screens, and you get a $3,875 opening weekend. The actors in the film, though, were celebrated. Both Robin Lively and Joshua Miller were given Best Young Actor, starring in a Motion Picture nominations, at the Youth in Film Awards. After these messages, we'll be right back. I love your banana clip. That's Faz. I love your eyeshadow. That's Faz. Faz, Faz, Faz is fun. Cosmetics and jewelry all in one. Faz, real makeup and wow now colors to mix and match and wear on fun Faz Jewelry. I love the way you look. I love your jewelry. with one or two makeup compacts, other compacts sold separately.. That is fun. And now back to the show. The film would eventually find its legs though when it started to be shown on cable TV in the 1990s. This is a one of those situations where you can be worn down, but then you also get those people who love what they call bad movies. Movies that are so bad, they're good. Teen Witch definitely falls into that category in some ways, although it does have more charm than just being bad. You just can't explain away a film that way. It has to have some sort of central heart to it for people to really have some sort of affection. In the mid-2000s, ABC Family would acquire the rights to broadcast it and would re-air it as part of their 13 Nights of Halloween. And there it would find a completely new audience of fans. This led to rumors in the late aughts that a remake of Teen Witch was in the works. That would have starred Ashley Tisdale. Tisdale even commented that they were going to start filming in 2010. It's obviously 10 years later, and we have nothing. Fans would have been treated to a Teen Witch musical that... Larry Weir was trying to get off the ground. With its musical set pieces, it would play quite well on the stage, and its cult following probably would have kickstarted it. While we never got that stage musical, they did workshop it, and we did get a re-recorded soundtrack out of it, so that if you are a fan of the music of Teen Witch, you might not get the original artists, but you can get pretty good approximations of it. Teen Witch could have been a forgettable film, but it has a charm and earnestness that helps it transcend its rocky beginning. It has charismatic and talented young people in it. It makes some interesting art choices and directorial choices that become more fascinating the more you watch it. It's no wonder the film has become a cult classic. So if you're looking for a fun movie, maybe you've never seen it before, or maybe you caught it once, give Teen Witch a chance. At the very least, you'll get a good laugh, maybe an eye roll, But then again, maybe you'll watch it a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time. And before you know it, you'll be attending midnight showings, you'll be buying the soundtrack, you'll become a fan. It's an easy movie to become a fan of, and you just can't top that. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at Retroist.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at twitter.com slash Retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Supersonic, idiotic, disconnected, not respected. Who would ever really want to go and top that? This has been a Retroist production. Goodbye.